Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to NeuroDetergent. And this is Katie, licensed professional counselor. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. And? And? To have some fun. And some fun. And laughs. And laughs. Along the way, Katie. Along the way. (laughs) If you've got a stubborn stain on your All right, you're listening to Neurodetergent. This is Eric. I'm here with Katie, licensed professional counselor. And we have, in addition... A surprise. A wonderful surprise. Mm -hmm. We have Sarah. Uh, Mike. We've referred to her as our producer, and that really was a little bit disingenuous. It was generous. Um, It was a lot. It was definitely (laughs) generous. She, She liked to hang out, but she has a lot of really good insight on things and sometimes I feel like she's a really good at keeping Katie and I on track she's outside a, of the podcast. She's a licensed clinical social worker. A licensed clinical social worker. So you also uh, just I mean introduce yourself, Sarah. You don't have to give your last name if you don't want to, but just kind of tell us what your deal is. Hi. Um I am Sarah and I spent about 15 years or so working in an inpatient hospital. Um, doing therapy and admissions and things like that. And then um, when COVID happened, I started doing therapy from home um, virtually. And it's been um, really improved my quality of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I am just happy to be here. Sarah, Sarah was my boss. Yes. Was. Mm-hmm. yes. Do you think <laughs> working from home benefits people who are neurodivergent more than someone who might not be? Or do you think it could be a hindrance um, in some yeah. ways? No, no, no. I think that um, it's been amazing for um, for neurodivergent people to work from home. In my experience and with clients that I've worked with, it's been life-changing. Um, not to say that that is for everyone. Yeah. Um, and for neurotypical people, um, I it, it would be harder for me to speak to that because I don't talk to as many. <laughs> um, but I, I would imagine that they may not benefit as much from the social isolation and things like that. I think that that would, is, would probably be more important to them. It's definitely made like going out in public a mm-hmm. little bit more jarring for me. Sure. I agree. Sure. I agree. Um, yeah. All three of us work from home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, before I moved here, I was married. You know, and I had yeah. two people living in the house with me and three dogs. So it was a little bit more, you know, I was really involved in a lot of the extracurriculars that come along with a wife and a stepdaughter who's heavily involved in extracurriculars. So I was out kind of a lot. Um, so when I moved here and started living on my own, well, with Ollie mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Ollie. <laughs> and I really just kind of dove into trying to keep myself as busy as humanly possible. Like I wanted to have something to do every day. And then I kind of burn out on it towards the end of the year and have been a lot more of a homebody. Why do you uh, think you were doing 2023? that? 2023. I don't know. Okay. To, to escape the loneliness. Okay. To yeah, I have, have something to take my mind off of yeah. the yeah. divorce. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I but, think like, like for my version of 
of neurodivergence, it's like I only have very limited supply mm -hmm. of energy that I can expend toward other people. And so if I work, that takes all my energy yeah. and I'm done. But if I work from home and uh, have more control over that, then I can do other things. See, I think it affects me in kind of the opposite way because mm -hmm. I'm a lot more extroverted than you. But mm -hmm. like uh, I run this risk of like if I get into a pattern of like not going anywhere, I can just spend days on end, uh, like just at home and kind of like it's like I power down kind of like, well, like what's like what's it wrong zaps with that? my energy. Like, oh, it's I feel like, yeah, okay, I feel like that's I how I recover. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I feel like I don't have like I don't have like the energy or the desire or motivation to be like, yeah, let's go do that. That makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like in this mode, mm -hmm. and transitions are hard. They are. Um, I think I found a good kind of balance between that, mm -hmm. and usually it's kind of like half the week at home and half the week I'm out doing stuff. Then, you know, doing this once a week, doing the trivia night thing once yeah. a week. Oh, that's been a saving grace. Um, oh, I love oh, that. It's, yeah. it's great. It's, yes. it's been so much fun. It's, it's been, improved my mental health like, me too. significantly. I'm not even kidding. It's like that's an awesome. anchor yes. in my week. Yeah. For real. Yeah, I like it. That's great. Um, so, yeah. So we got Sarah on and I think um, this is going to be a permanent thing. I feel like this is something... Yeah. You've been here for every episode. You've had something to add to every episode, uh, whether the listeners heard it or not. Um, and we were talking about stuff after we finished recording the previous episode. And um, I was just like, we got to get a mic. Yeah. We got to get a mic yeah. for Sarah. But we do have a follow-up. We recorded the masking episode last week. Yeah. And um, you had mentioned in the episode that you were going to post a picture of yourself. Yes. From, uh, what was it? Back when you... Right. So, I, yeah, I posted a picture of myself on uh, the Neurodetergent Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, go please follow us and, like, and engage with our content. Um, of me in 2018. And this was sort of like the... This is sort of like my birth into like what led to fully being unmasked, right? Right. And so that's a picture of me the the first day that I had all my stuff in my office and like I I was like emerging, right? Um, and then the the second picture is like me in 2021, like pretty pretty much just fully like transitioned and unmasked and like and so yeah. So we got a comment. A lot of people, you posted this in a group called Tell Me You're Neurodivergent Without Telling Me You're Neurodivergent. And that seems to be where we've gotten the most like feedback from it. And a lot of people have posted pictures of themselves masked and unmasked. And just getting some feedback, uh, a person commented that they're uh, listening to episode six right now, which is awesome. Yes. Um, but someone posted um, a big comment on here that it looks like you were able to relate to. Um, and they said, once I stopped masking, I shaved my head. Mm -hmm. My hair has always been so overwhelming and overstimulating. I love being bald, to be honest. Um, and then they said, one thing about unmasking that has been a challenge is feeling like no one knows me anymore. And I think we touched on that yeah. a little bit in that last episode. All, all my friends and family have ever known was my mask. They weren't my friends uh, with me, they were friends with my mask. I definitely no longer feel confident or secure with people I thought loved me and have taken a step back from everyone in my social circle, circle with the exception of one friend who is autistic. 
This journey has definitely triggered my rejection sensitivity pretty badly, and I often feel very unlikable while not oh, masked. Give me goosebumps. Yeah. Unmasking feels just as liberating as it does lonely, taking it one step at a time, but ultimately still grateful and practicing gratitude, especially for self-discovery. Wishing all of us happiness in our authenticity. Hmm. And you said that you had shaved your head. I did. After that. I didn't know that. I, I Like, did shaved shave? Yeah. Like, bald? Yeah. So, um, I think that I really lucked out, right? Because, like, I... Because COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And so, where, like, uh, rejection sensitivity probably would have been a lot more profound for me. Right. It was, like, there... You couldn't engage, right? So, it was, like, you... Everyone was like isolated and withdrawn so it was like uh, the safety zone of like i can just like do this and be myself and like not there's not an expectation so anyways um i did shave my head sarah well okay sarah shaved my head (laughs) (laughs) no i was just gonna say that um yeah i've noticed like it was strange for me because a uh, when I was masked, uh, my appearance was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I would think that like it, it was necessary because that's how I got positive engagements with people. And it was hard when that shifted. Um, but I, it was yeah. COVID too. So there was, I had a buffer. It was so easy COVID when I shaved. COVID keeps coming up in this yes. show. So, oh, I'm sorry. So my hair uh, is really thick. Uh, Sarah can attest to that. She's cut my hair a thousand times. And it's like each strand is thick too. And it's curly and frizzy and like hot. And I I always knew that, but I never knew that it was like overstimulating until I read that comment. And really? then I was like, oh. Oh, that's cool. And like, that's what that is. And so, yeah, when I, when I shaved my head, it's like I didn't like the way that I looked. But, like, I love taking a shower and, like, washing my hair and, like, just the ease of it. Right. Do you think you might cut it again? I know. No. I won't. I, yeah, I don't know. No. I, I did not like the way that I looked in the mirror. Oh, okay. So that was hard. Well, I just wanted to add, too, I think that I noticed after um, I got more comfortable with my, with how I, you know, yeah, yeah. looked, that um, I started noticing that I was getting that finding that connection with people in other places. I was ah. just used to looking in these certain places yeah. for that connection, but that didn't work anymore. Yeah. But what I found Instead. authentic connection. Yeah. Yeah, and you we tend to gravitate towards each to- other. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's <clears throat> it's it's uh, a little mind-boggling how those things work. It's funny, you know, we talk about dating a lot on here cuz, you know, it's a thing that we do. And it's and hard. <laughs> it is. Um, so we record these episodes in advance. Yesterday was Easter. Mm. And there's a woman I'd been talking to for the past couple of days, just kind of off and on, nothing really in depth. Had you met her? No. 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 Um, but she messaged me Sunday morning and was like, are you going to church today? Mm. I'm waiting for the kids to get ready. And I'm just like, um, no, I'm an atheist. And it was like, boom, unmatched. Boom. She... Couldn't take it, which I mean, I get it. It's was cool. It, did you think it was funny? Like, were you like, huh? <clears throat> like, I did think it was yeah. funny, and I kind of figured that was going to happen. And honestly, I'm not really interested in dating no. someone who's like heavy into going to church Do or just I- like the. I I know I I know we're getting off topic, but I kind of have an issue that people would just assume that I'm a Christian. I mean, <laughs> but like you were like conditioned in that, like that you were like. Raised in that, it's probably hard to like shake. I think it's where we live. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah. default where I we mean, live. I don't anybody, think it's personal. Yeah. Uh, people assume I, I am. People used to assume I am. They yeah, don't yeah. anymore. <laughs> I I matched with a girl one time and like uh, we were chatting and then she was like, uh, "Do you do you use Marco Polo?" What is that? I'll I'll explain it. Okay. Just buckle up because you're gonna love this. And I was like, "No." And she's like, um, "Do you mind if we use that?" And I was like, "Okay." So I download it. I had eaten like. I had eaten some edibles. Is this I, like a messaging app? Just wait. Okay. I had eaten some edibles. It was night. I wasn't working. I was going to bed. And uh, You're I, being responsible. I download the app and it's a video message. Like, so you record a video and send it. So I'm like fucking around with it and I click on her and I start recording a video uh, and release my thumb and it sends. Uh-oh. It automatically sends oh, no. when you take your finger like off the button. And... So what, were you doing something goofy? I, I, I mean, I think I like kind of blocked out whatever that video was. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't do anything like gross or like provocative, but I was like super high and I was just like, like talking, like just like doing silly stuff. And then it sent, and then I was like, oh, anyway, she ended up being like really catholic and like she's oh. like going to mass twice a week and stuff and, and i'm like I, I can't yeah i couldn't it's, do it's it. a lot it's i'm a... like that sounds hairy like a hairy situation i mean hey everyone's free to practice their own religion and yes. and whatever um you know do what you will but harm none right uh but that doesn't mean we have to date you <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to date yeah us i mean either. obviously so it's, that it's, chick was like bye yeah if someone wants to unmatch <laughs> with me because i don't believe in god i'd rather them do so she that had, now she had kids though yeah what? I'm okay with dating. No, women I'm saying with kids. like she was divorced. And? I mean, I'm she divorced. has a problem with you being you're an divorced. atheist, but you're divorced, but she's divorced. I mean, I, it, it's a hey, joke. They, they <laughs> can justify pretty much anything, it yes, seems. Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, today we are, this is kind of an addendum a little bit. We've got some other things to talk about, but this is, we talked about mental health. And social media and all those kinds of things back in, what was that? Episode six. So one episode removed from the masking episode. And um, we had talked about getting into narcissism. (laughs) Yes. Um, But it's kind of a, it was a little much to talk about in that episode because we had already gone so long. Yeah. And so we did want to touch back on it because I have some, I have some opinions about kind of what I'm seeing a lot when it comes to narcissism Mm -hmm. online. And it's one of those things, of course, I'm a victim of the algorithm, right? I watched one- You're gonna get so many now. I watched one Uh. video uh, and let it play all the way through. And then all of a sudden I'm getting a lot. And that's around the time that you and I had met. So I know Mm -hmm. that you and I had talked about it. I'd talked to some other people I know about it. And, um, you know, my general hypothesis is that I think this emphasis that we're placing on this one disorder, on social media is dangerous, problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't know much about narcissism. My first, Mm -hmm. this is a funny story. My first uh, introduction to the concept of narcissism 
was when the total package Lex Luger went from WCW to WWF and they repackaged his image as the narcissist Lex Luger and he would stand in the <laughs> ring. Foreign language. I, I, love that. I love that example, but I don't know what you're talking he about. Would stand, he would basically his character was that he's a narcissist. What's and his he name? Would, Lex what? Lex Luger. And he would stand in the ring, like he would make his entrance to the ring and he would like he I mean, he was shredded, right? And right. he would just like flex in front of a full length mirror in the ring before his opponent came. That was like his whole gimmick, right? Yeah. Was that he's this so full of himself narcissist. So that's kind of what I, for a long time, thought that's what a narcissist was. Yeah. Was just someone that really liked themselves and liked looking at themselves. Um, and then it kind of just went away out of my, you know, mm -hmm. atmosphere of thought, right? It's not right. ever something I really thought about until maybe about what 10 15 years ago i start hearing oh my ex is a narcissist this mm -hmm. person's a narcissist and you know i'm i had made a comment and maybe maybe it was received wrong i don't know i kind of felt bad after i had said it on the dating episode but oh. it seems like every girl i talk to online's ex is a narcissist yeah but i do hear that a lot yeah. you know my ex-boyfriend is a narcissist my dad my, ex -girlfriend. my mom yeah, yeah my mom i was raised by narcissists yeah. it's like is it so widespread as, as social media and the internet would have us believe? Uh, what do you know about it? Like, <laughs> well, I, do you know the root of, of narcissism, the word and like, why? Cause that, I think it's like a Greek tread, like, yeah, like narcissist, the, the, like the, it's like a demigod, right? Something like something? that. It was someone that was so vain narcissist that yeah. they died staring at their own reflection. Yeah. And so the wrestler example is actually the purest yes. sort of form. I like that. Oh, wow. Um, I finally got something right. It's also <laughs> like, uh, it's like, I, it's ironic, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they love themselves so much that they died looking at themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like they didn't really love themselves. Because they wouldn't right. take care of themselves. It was more of like a vanity right. type thing. Right, right. Okay. Um, the love is flawed. It's like they love their reflection, but not their, their self. So how did like this Greek myth of this demigod or whatever how did that like translate into what we would call this disorder like how how like well because tell me about it. what they're saying is that your love toward yourself is so misdirected that you yeah. hurt yourself to the point of dying even oh yeah so like um narcissistic personality disorder is um is like an attachment disorder Okay. okay. What do you mean so, by attachment disorder? I'm sorry. That's okay. So in attachment theory, right? So um, it's like we, uh, like when we're born, okay. um, we have like an attachment system in our brain, right? And um, it's like when we're born, we can't do anything for our, ourselves, right? So we rely on our caregiver, our mom or dad, whoever. Um, and so like, let's say like we're hungry, so we cry out, right? Our mm -hmm. parent feeds us. That builds a like that builds like a secure attachment. We know that it like we can rely on our parent or whoever to uh, meet our needs, right? And like throughout like early development, that bond and that attachment like grows secure every time like that interaction is met, right? Would you say yes? Okay. Absolutely. So attachment theory is that right? So when we um. When we don't have a secure attachment in our early childhood and uh, that is severed or um, disrupted, then that then our attachment style becomes disordered. And so then the way that we are able to like meaningfully attach and connect to other people is disordered based on our like development. 
So it's sort of like a baby cries and is not getting its needs met. So it starts trying other things. Yes. And these other things may be things that aren't healthy Mm -hmm. or like, but they have to use them to get their needs met. So it gets reinforced over time. And their, um, their understanding of like love and connection and those things is, is, um, like disordered, disordered. Honestly. Yeah. So it's like, uh, if you have a parent, like, let's say you have a mom and like an example of like a three-year-old kid is at the table. Uh, the three-year-old spills its milk. Um, and the mom comes over and is like, it's okay, clean it up, blah, 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 positive pairing, etc." But then let's say you have a, a, another three-year-old and, like, they spill their milk and that happens. But then mm-hmm. two days later they spill their milk and their mom slaps them across the face. Oh. They don't know um, – they don't know and can't predict with any kind of level of certainty – what behavior is going to like how their behavior will be received and so it's like everything is inconsistent and like there's no um like they can't form trust or like you know what Mm -hmm. i mean okay yeah yeah so narcissistic personality disorder is is like an attachment disorder because whatever the attachment was in their early childhood was problematic or yeah 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 so like um, like everyone has these traits, right? Um, like, like little bits of themselves yeah. that are like that. But, um, through these maladaptive patterns over time, mm-hmm. um, they're conditioned, right? They're conditioned. Yeah. And, and reinforced. <clears throat> and reinforced. Right. And so like, if you have, um, if you have like a, let's say a, like a relationship with your mom, mm-hmm. right? Where, uh, it's like, you can do no wrong. And, like, high praise and, like, those kinds of things. But, like, um, but it's also, like, dysfunctional in some way. Then, like, there's going to be, like, there's going to be attachment problems there. Like, they're going to have, like, some stuff there that makes it difficult for them to attach to somebody. And they're going to have, like, unrealistic views of themselves. So is, so is narcissistic person is narcissistic personality disorder is what yeah. it's do you want me to, I'm so I'm gonna point, read it yeah, yeah. at the yeah. point the that <laughs> the threshold here is that there is a point at which those things become a disorder right? yes and so yeah. they're like um so i'm i'll just read it yeah. so there's characteristics right and but like, is is anyone like born a narcissist no, or no, is this no. something so that develops yeah. based on their environment as right. they are growing? so when we're born we're born with like a temperament Right. Okay. And that is inherent. And so like some babies are like very calm. Some babies cry a lot. That temperament sticks with us. That's part of who we are. Um, your personality is conditioned or like taught, uh, learned. Right. Okay. okay. So. Okay. So here's what's important is that um, when you are diagnosed with a personality disorder or any disorder, then it's a, it's like significant it's clinically significant, meaning only a clinician can diagnose this. And it ha- you have to meet criteria in order for that diagnosis to be valid. In, in uh, NPD, there are nine criteria, and you have to meet at least five to receive the diagnosis. Okay, mm-hmm. And you have to meet them at a clinically significant level. And you have to meet them in uh, every context of your life or every domain, domain of your life. Okay? So... Uh, Per the DSM, uh, NPD is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, fantasy, or behavior. Need for admiration with a lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood, as indicated by at least five of the following. 
has grandiose sense of self-importance, exaggerates achievements, expects to be recognized as superior without actually complete, without actually completing the achievements, is preoccupied with fantasies of of success, power, brilliance, beauty. Of here, will you read it? Yeah, yeah. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Let's see where we are. It's like bright in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sense of entitlement, unreasonable expectations of favorable treatment or compliance with his or her expectations. Exploitive, takes advantage of others, lacks empathy, unwilling to identify with others, often envious of others, believes others are envious of them, shows arrogant, haughty behaviors and attitudes. And so, like, I do, I've done all, I've yeah. done these things, yeah. right? There's, like, I've been, been arid, but so, like, if you picture a dial, right, like, if you picture a dial one to ten, mm-hmm. so like say I'm like a two on the scale, like I do these things on like a level two, like, a spectrum, like yeah. every once in a while. Say um, somebody else is like a level six and it's a little bit more um, turned up, right? Um, and like impacts more people negatively. It impacts himself more negatively. But like to meet the level of a diagnosis, you have to be at a ten. Yeah, right. How? It's like so. I I think. A lot of where we see the, the uh, TikToks and, like, Facebook stuff where, where it's, like, somebody's calling somebody else a narcissist. It's, like, my ex was a narcissist, and I have suffered from nar- narcissistic abuse by them, and, like, mm-hmm. here's how you can avoid that. Um, and it's, like, the problem with that is that, like, being in an abusive relationship doesn't qualify the person who is abusing you as a narcissist. Right. Because, like... They um, could just be an asshole. They, they, yeah, or they could just <laughs> be an abuser, right? Um, yeah. Um... And I think that the, I guess, like, on the, like, the big picture of it is that, like, it minimizes, um, like, what it means in actuality. And it is risky because it's, like, people are just saying traits, Mm -hmm. too, of people. And it's, like, it's just dangerous. It's, like, I have been a clinician for, like, over a decade. And I have a lot of experience. And, like, I, I would be, like, really hesitant to call somebody, like, to, like, go to somebody and say, I think that you have this, and I'm, this is what I'm seeing, and I think you should seek treatment. Like, and so to throw it around like that, and, like, um, and call people that, it's, like, it's, like. It's, I think you're playing a dangerous game, you know, labeling, yes, especially considering that some of the people I've seen getting labeled as narcissists online are being, like, it's the person who's labeling that's blasting them on yes. social media, calling them a narcissist. And, right. you know, that's pretty shitty behavior, too. It And it, like, <laughs> over-saturizes the word. So it's, like, yeah. it's, like, a person who is a narcissist is dangerous. Like, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, has the potential to be dangerous and to do a lot of harm. Like So, like, would you say, like, Trump. Hitler was a narcissist? <laughs> I don't Trump. know enough about Hitler. I would say that Trump is a narcissist. Absolutely. 100%, and I wouldn't, I don't question it for a second. Yeah. And so, like, it's like when you look at what he's done and, like, the level of destruction that he has caused. And in all domains, professionally. So people, everywhere. Personally. When you look at that person, he is, is profoundly fucked up. Uh-huh. And, like, when you then say, like, oh, well, my dad's a narcissist. It's like you're, like, no. <laughs> like, it minimizes the word when it's, like, it, it. that is a strong word. That's a strong thing to say. And, like, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be thrown around because, like, when somebody says it, like, it sh- you sh- it's, like, you should hear it and go, okay, this person's dangerous. Like, I need to stay away from them. So I have an example of we're going to just play one of these things of these uh, TikTok videos 
Um, this is a pretty short one, but basically they're talking about uh, three ways to get a narcissist to reveal themselves. Now, this is just an example of what we're talking about. We're not like what is problematic and dangerous. Yeah, we aren't telling you who this person mm. is that made the video we're not telling you to go see them we're not yes. anything like that we're not trying to promote them this is just an example how to get a narcissist to reveal themselves number one see what they have to say when you bring up good news or an achievement of somebody else or yourself what they're going to do is downplay the achievement or belittle or say something negative about the person number two if there's one thing that a narcissist hates more than disagreeing with them it's doubting them so I've used the phrase, I'm not so sure about that, and see how they respond. If it's negative and disproportionate to the question that I'm asking, in other words, they're going really high and get really aggravated and upset by that, that should be a clue. And number three, bring up a comparison between the narcissist and really anybody and say that this other person did something better than the narcissist and see what they do. In the litigation context, in the legal world here, I might be asking an expert witness who's testifying about a given material and I say, well, I was reading, doing some reading from this expert who's already certainly qualified and they have an opinion different from yours and I, I can't really justify that. And they will shut that opinion down as if they are the only one that could possibly have the right answer. And it is a dead giveaway every time. Follow me. Uh, all right so like i mean we all know people that are guilty of that some of us are in the room of some of those things i wish you know? i could like ask that person who's making that video what is your intent what is mm -hmm. the intent of this video i'll tell you exactly what the intent is to get clicks and uh, likes and views and well but let's say hypothetically okay. what they would say is like altruistically what i'm trying to do is help people identify narcissists so they can protect themselves but, but, I, think, but, but I, I think in reality no I agree they, in reality it's, it's bullshit but that's how you would package that right, right? And, but it, and, it hurts people and, and like this is why that's dangerous is, yeah. and this is why it's dangerous for people who are not educated in in like psychology and human behavior to make videos like this because what they're not considering is that like you're ask, you're, you're giving people advice on how to provoke a dangerous person mm-hmm and like what you could do is just just stay away from them or have firm boundaries. Well, the same guy that made that video. So that video, he it's the person whose video that belongs to uh, this was a reaction to that video. You know how they do it with like a guy like mm -hmm. will just play a video yeah. and just kind of sit there and and stay, sit there while it's playing. Well, that person has another video that I played for you before uh, we started and it was like eight red flags and it was like doesn't like physical touch hogs the TV remote. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Walks in front of you. Yes. Walks in front of you. And and I... Check this out. I've actually been... That's been brought up to me yeah. from someone that I dated that was like, you know, you don't want to be seen in public with me because you walked in front of me. I absent-mindedly yes. did it. This was not any kind of, like, intentional mm -hmm. thing. And I think that the danger we get into is when we do label people. And, like, when you're describing that, it's like... Um, somebody, it, like, it's like, how, who, what qualifies another person to determine whether or not yeah. somebody else Just to be clear, somebody. that person didn't accuse me of being no, a narcissist, know, yeah. but, like, they had brought that up right. as, you know, they thought that I was not interested in being seen in public with them because I happened to walk in front of them at one point. Well, um, I have a really good thing to tie this to, like, to neurodivergence, actually. Right. For a long time, and, like, people still say this and parrot this, um, they say, like, people who are on the spectrum uh, lack empathy. 
right? And it's because, like, um, they can be pretty monotone. And, like, because sometimes, like, that needs to be explained. Because, like, whatever happened for them to need the empathy, right? Or mm-hmm. to, like, uh, experience that. Uh, it might be, like, m- miscommunicated or, like, they don't understand it. And so, like, if you explain it, then they, like, are receptive. And so um, it's, like, somebody who is experiencing another person, like, in, in a shared reality and, and saying, like, you're lacking empathy, it's, like, that. I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you can't determine whether or not another person lacks empathy. Sure. Yeah. You need to right. have like, like qualifications can, to do that. There are things like <laughs> trauma that get in the way. Yes. There are things like mistaking cues right. and coming off as rude. There are right. things like not knowing the script. Right. All of these things can come off as not being empathetic when that is not what's happening. Exactly. So yeah. you And so I guess what I'm saying is like if you're hearing these things and saying like, oh, lacking empathy makes you a narcissist, it's like, well, who are you to uh, like, what are your yeah. credentials to be right. able to, like, qu- like quantify somebody's empathy? <laughs> right. And, and how would you even do that anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't know. And that's why I really try to uh, be really careful about not labeling other people as things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know one person who, based on everything that I've said, fits that model to a T, but I would never say this person is a narcissist. I don't, I'm not qualified to make that uh, distinction. Uh, So let me ask you this, okay? Because, you know, we'll probably move on from this topic here shortly, but is it possible for somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder to even recognize that in themselves and then, like, get treatment for that? So Does that happen? I, so here's the thing that's tricky about it. There's not treatment available. There's not treatment av- available, <laughs> number one, um, because it would be a long, long-term thing to overcome all of the difficulties that led up to that point. And, and require specialized training that's not that, And no one wants to fund that. <laughs> okay. And so they say that it's untreatable because it's pervasive and they won't offer treatment for it. Yes. So, and that's a fact. So and we're just also, fucked. <laughs> also in addition to that, the most of the time the people that actually get a diagnosis of MPD are in a criminal justice system already, and that is what they u- they're using in therapy um, as a justification yeah. for care. Um, but outside of a prison system, most of the time people are not getting diagnosed with that in therapy because they are not seeking therapy um, and because you can't get paid for it. Yeah. You can't wait. You can't. Get, I, I you can, can't. You, it's not a billable diagnosis. It's not a billable diagnosis. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So like, um, so when like you have uh, like when you have a session, you have to put a code in, right, for your insurance to like, which accept is the whole it. point of the DSM, right? Like, and so like half the time, like, um, it's like whatever it is that's going on, it's like if it's not. If it's, like, not true to the diagnosis of the person, they'll go the closest thing that's going to get it paid. Okay. Right? That's interesting. And that's just a failing of our health system, right? Oh, it's, Absolutely. it is. It's all a number-coded system. Capitalism. And certain codes are yes. spit out and certain codes are kept. This it's, sounds like a, a good topic no, it's for real, It's actually really fucked up. Yes. Because yeah. here's the thing. I'm we, not saying it's good. Yeah. I'm just saying this would be a good thing to talk about in depth. Because here's the thing we know is that, like, personality disorders are, are from learned. It's a learned behavior. It's okay. a conditioned behavior. Anything that you learn can be unlearned. Okay. And so it's like it can be treated, but like it's something that is like conditioned from birth, basically. And wow. so it's like the 
the necessary treatment would be like, it would be insane. And there's little motivation yeah. to research it mm-hmm. um, because you can't get funding for right. it. And because the people that are diagnosed with it are often people who are like undervalued in society, like criminals, and like no one cares to research like. Well, I also think the majority of people diagnosed with narciss diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder are men. Okay. Um, and there are serious roadblocks to mental health yes. for men in our society, and like it, then like that's sort of reflective, right, of like just the mental health crisis for men right now. Okay. In society. All right. Well, we're going to move on. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, over the weekend, you and I played around with this new technology that's that's all over yes. the news right now, chat GPT. And I had actually, and we're not going to go into a ton of detail, but I had actually asked it. I, I forgot to save it, so I did it while we were talking. I said, tell me some facts about narcissism. Oh, interesting. So I'm just going to read off what some of it says and just tell me if it's correct or not, because then I have another thing about the chat GPT I want to share with you. Um, number one, narcissism is a personality disorder that affects about 1% of the population. Okay. Does that sound about right? Uh, two, people with narcissistic personality disorder have an inflated sense of self-importance, a need for admiration, lack of empathy for others. Yep, we're right on track. More commonly found in men than women. Uh, <laughs> NPD can cause significant distress and impairment in personal, social, and work-related relationships. Narcissists often have fragile and unstable self-esteem, which can lead them to constantly seek validation and admiration from others. Narcissism is often caused by a combination of genetic, environmental, and personality factors. Right there. Uh, narcissistic individuals often have difficulty accepting criticism or taking responsibility for their actions. Narcissistic behavior can range from mild to severe with some individuals exhibiting traits of NPD but not meeting the full diagnostic criteria for the disorder. <laughs> and treatment for NPD can be challenging, but therapy and medication may help manage symptoms and improve quality of life. Um, would you say it's pretty accurate there? I feel really I feel validated like it, by Chad. I do too. I do too, yeah. And, and reading <laughs> this after we had talked about that, I was like, man, these, these people really know their stuff. <laughs> um, so I do want, because you and I talked about it, and we're not going to get into it, but we had asked it to like write us silly songs oh, about our dogs and stuff like that, and we shared them with each other, and it was fun. It was a fun thing to... Uh, dive into there for a second. But I did come across a Reddit post today. Um, and <laughs> this says, as someone who is autistic, chat GPT is improving my life so much. And here's what they wrote. Today I had a problem arise with my transcript, my transcript for my graduate school and had no idea what to do. The situation was niche enough to not have an obvious solution. So I explained the situation to chat GPT and it told me that my best course of action was to communicate with my grad school directly and see if they could brainstorm solutions. I asked who specifically I should call and it gave me a number. I asked what I should specifically say and it gave me a script. I did it all and I'm happy to say that the problem is completely resolved. I'm so impressed with this. I mean, seriously, this is such an incredible tool uh, for people who aren't neurotypical. Since becoming an adult, I don't really have anyone to help me navigate professional, social interactions and executive functioning like I did when I was younger, but clearly that's not the case anymore. And apparently, and I have not dug into this because this was told to me after the whole mental health and social media episode, okay. but apparently there's a whole TikTok trend of people doing therapy 
with chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Have you spent any time at all looking yeah. into that? So, um, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think, think it's awesome. If, if it's somebody that's like pretty high risk, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend right, that. Like obviously. trauma yeah. work, you probably shouldn't work with chat G- yeah. GPT because you need a little human connection there. Right. But like if it's like uh, time management and like right or work and like or yeah. yeah or even just like um like what are some helpful ways to like de-stress or like yeah. those kinds yeah. of things like mm-hmm. i think that that's awesome right that is awesome mm-hmm. but if like if somebody's like experiencing delusions or like you know how is like high risk for suicide like no yeah maybe not be a good <laughs> idea yeah. right? and it seems like though chat gpt would probably be adept enough to um like, like tell yeah. the person that. Yeah. You would hope, but I mean, that's the, that's what that's I think. The we, trick. That's <laughs> the trick. Yeah. Right? Like you, the thing about therapy is that like, you cannot probably be successful. Um, I know that's I retract. Uh, you need empathy in therapy. There needs to be a that's therapeutic required. relationship. There has is to, like, the like yeah, you have to have a therapeutic relationship, and that requires empathy. Yeah, I was watching this uh, guy that I guess works in the field of AI and mm-hmm. developing artificial intelligence, and he said that you know basically what these chatbots are doing is just recognizing patterns, yeah, and kind of fitting them into you know, yeah, a story or a song or a whatever. Um, and it learns from the data. Yeah. You know, it, it needs all the data that exists to to work, right? And that one thing that an AI can't do is, like, watch a movie and tell you what's going on. Or, yeah. <laughs> and or contextualizing like, it. Or, like, like look, share a look during the movie, like, and, like, you know, like. Oh, shit, did you hear yes, that? Wasn't like, that cool? The, yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, it, it is really going to be interesting to kind of mm. see how this kind of plays out because according to this guy, it's moving at such a a pace that it's like ridiculous. And if you recall one of those nights that you, the three of us hung out, I kind of talked to you guys about Mm -hmm. my theory about the singularity and everything, which I'm not going to get into, but it's kind of along the same lines. I'm just saying. Uh, (laughs) I think that this example though, that you gave, I mean, that just warms my heart. I know. I love that. It makes me think about people who like maybe lost a mom or like a parent Mm -hmm. early Mm -hmm. and like, missed out on some things mm-hmm. or like had an absent parent and like being like you know what would a dad do like or like asking questions like that i should ask it for recipes yeah i didn't even think about Good that call. i just yeah hey and i made or substitutions some, i made some chocolate chip peanut cookies if you guys want something um, yeah anyway uh, <laughs> we're bringing back a segment this is the uh, guess the outcome yes. and i i stumbled across this and i figured since uh, we're going to have both you and Sarah in here. I'm just going to be the one who already knows the outcome and just present it to you. Uh, so this is actually like the most relevant guess the outcome that we've had in context to our show, mm-hmm. right? When we talk about like neurodivergence and ADHD. So um, I forgot to copy and paste the title, but uh, this is a man writing in about his wife, okay. 36 male writing in about his wife, 34 female. Uh, He says, the honest core of this question is that I am super anti-notification. I know I sound like a boomer, but I get sick of knowing that Aunt Maple commented on my Insta post years ago. I will open the app if I want to know that. I do not need to know about Aunt Maple's comment until the second I seek out that information. However, I appreciated the health and activity features on the Apple Watch, so I got one for myself and I tediously curated the information delivered to me on my wrist. Notifications are even worse on the watch because I can't exactly just flip the watch over and ignore it. You can it. do this, though. 
You can cover it and it turns off. FYI, I didn't learn that okay. until recently. <laughs> um, my wife, and in parentheses, whom I love very much, uh, wanted to make sure she could get a hold of me, so we use a chat app that allows notifications. The rules were very clear when I switched to this app. She can text me once, and I'll answer at my earliest convenience. I will always know it is her texting, because she's the only person who has access to my wrist notifications, and more than one text means emergency. She has run afoul of that rule many times, as you can guess. She says she very literally cannot stop herself when she gets excited and that she's not neurotypical like me, so I can't understand. And she's right. I don't understand what it's like to have ADHD. But I do know what my boundaries are with my wrist buzzing while I'm at work. Okay, can I just say, when that part came out, I thought that it was reversed. What do you like, mean? Like, I thought when... Um, because I thought that he was neurodivergent. Oh, I mean, I think. So when, when he, so when, when he said, like, she said, you're not yes. neurodivergent. Like, I was like, what? Right. So anyway, uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, last week she sent me like four consecutive texts because she found out that her coworker, who I don't know and frankly do not care about had gotten a DUI while he was in college years ago. <laughs> so that night I sat down with her and said I was not going to do the wrist notifications anymore mm -hmm. and that I'd regularly check my phone for messages from her. She was kind of vaguely mad about it for a week, but yesterday I finally just confronted her about it and she said that she thought I was being disrespectful of her limitations and that everyone gets used to notifications eventually. I said it had been three months and I was still not used to it. And she said I should give it more time. Here's where I might have been an asshole. <laughs> I told her I thought this was a tiny issue and that wasn't even worth being angry about. I still check my phone for texts and I've never missed one by more than 15 minutes. I also explained that she can still call me if there's an emergency, but she's still mad. Um, someone asked about some more info about the text and he says she just fires them off. It's very obvious. She's not even thinking. She just gets excited and her fingers start working. Uh, someone asked how often, and, she, and he said daily, sometimes many times per day. And oh, then, uh, so that's it. So basically, um, he hates notifications, but he... That would drive me crazy. I would yeah. go nuts. So what, like, first of all, do you think he's an asshole at all? No. No. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, do you want to, like, okay. do you want to expand um, on that at all? Um, do you want me to say something? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't think he's an asshole. Um, I think that, like, there, like, he could be more, um, like, he could try to engage her more to, tr like, outside of, like, when they're texting to mm -hmm. find out, like, maybe if, like, I don't know. I don't think he's an asshole, but I do I think, think his that he's... approach maybe is like yeah, rough, cold. Yeah. His approach is yeah. cold. I think he could maybe try to get more, um, like empathize yes. more with her side. Because a lot However, of people have text trauma. I will say, I don't think that's ever recognized, but like there is trauma with your phone. However, like, oh, like for sure. he, it, this is like disrupting his work. Yes. And it's inconsiderate of his yes. boundaries that he's trying to set. And she's like using her disorder to not try to like work on a behavior that's harmful and problematic. Which he her. has tried to accommodate in right. lots of ways, but she has not respected Abused that boundary. it. So what would you say the best possible outcome to this would be? 
I hope that they're able to engage and figure out a solution that works for them. Like maybe she could have a running stream of text in one area and then another text that's just for notifications. I hope that she downloads know. chat, GPT, and texts it every time her fingers start that's, <laughs> She can't. You know yeah, what? That's, right. that's probably not a bad idea. I know, yeah. yeah for that. Or right, so. expand oh, her social circle. I have one more thing that I, I, yeah. like, I would recommend if I was like doing couples therapy. Yeah. I would say... I, like every time you have the urge to do that, I want you to write it down. And then I want you at the end of the day when you're trying to relax to sit and read all of the, what you wrote. Oh, wow. And what would that do? Just help her relax? Well, or I mean, it would, it, well, she wouldn't be sending him messages. Yeah. And like quickly she would learn how fucking, how like, much how it is. like <laughs> insignificant or like how like. No, like it's not important it's not to anyone. Would you else. recommend she like give them to him at the end no, of the day? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, but it's all these things that she wanted her husband to know. <laughs> I mean, maybe no, she needs more people yeah, to talk to. Because that is a lot to expect from one person. All right, so here's there's actually two updates, but I love the update because it I'm actually excited, it, yeah. it ties into the comment of the girl who shaved her head. Oh, or the person who shaved. I'm sorry if I misgendered you. Uh, person that commented on the post. Yes. Uh, I appreciate that, actually. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so this this edit was nine hours after he made his original post. Uh, okay, she got home, and I just had a short but really helpful conversation with her. She said that she didn't really want to buzz me all the time, but she felt really special that she was the only person who I allowed to Aww. text me on the watch. She <laughs> was sad that we lost that little intimate connection. And that makes total sense, and we both committed to finding a good solution that makes us both happy. Really sorry that I dragged so many people into this. It was a small thing that could have been solved by both of us being super vulnerable and honest with each other. There's another update. Uh, two weeks later, I wanted to update, update this to share some things I learned while we resolved this problem. Obviously, it ended up fine. It was a small problem that bubbled over, not a real issue. For people out there with ADHD partners, especially guys with ADHD girlfriends and wives, I learned two things that could help you in the future. Oh, what a... Sorry, One, <laughs> rejection sensitivity is a common symptom of ADHD, especially in women. It stings extra when someone tells you no. That's why I got a big reaction from my wife. I didn't feel like I was rejecting her, only setting a boundary, but she felt differently and her feelings matter to me. Text trauma. Two, lots of people with ADHD have been told their entire lives that they are too much and that they should take it down a notch. Yup. Uh, this is true of my wife who has a very big personality. Hearing me ask her to control wrist buzzes seemed a lot to her like I was telling her to be smaller or to shut up. These two things combined created hard feelings on her and there was always going to be some conflict when I set that boundary, but I could have been more sensitive and she could have been more communicative and understanding. Mm -hmm. These are the travails of marriage. It was a little speed bump and we got over it thanks to all the commenters. Um, this was the solution that he actually came up with. Okay. And he goes, honestly, it's so dumb simple. We moved the us app to her second screen and moved the app we use with everyone to her home screen. She can still access my wrist, but she has to think about it for an extra quarter of a second, and it has solved 100% of the problem. Oh, oh wow. I love that. Damn. How yeah. awesome is that? That's and, awesome. And, you know, the commenter had mentioned, like, rejection sensitivity mm -hmm. and things like that, so that, you know, that's something that I never really yeah. would have occurred to me. And what's crazy is... 
Um, I found that like last week. Yeah. And I told you about it. I was like, hey, I found a, a guess the outcome for you. I hadn't read the outcome until like two hours ago. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. I just started. I knew the the first part of it had to do with ADHD, neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. I figured this is going to be a good thing for us to uh, talk about. And um, then I read the outcome after I'd read that other person's comment on our thing. And I was like, ah, it's like chef's kiss. You, it's perfect. It yes. was serendipitous. And it's like, it's really nice because I uh, like, I've kind of told my personal journey about like ADHD and unmasking and all that, and like mm-hmm. divorcing and all that. And it's like really nice to see somebody that's like really trying to see their partner. Um, and like, not just like, I like look into it and research it and learn right. about these things and like don't just affect- put up with it. Yeah, and like and not just <laughs> be like uh, like um, oh rejection sensitivity like uh, like just like bulldog through it or whatever like just, just get man over up it. yeah <laughs> or um, whatever. It's really nice. I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was good. I figured yeah. you would. I figured both of you would really. Do you appreciate have? A, it. Do you think you have like rejection sensitivity? Probably. Yeah, I think I do. And and you know like um, I I don't want to get too into yeah like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, my ex-wife was not a person who was very, like, affectionate. Mm -hmm. Okay? I mean, there would be times where she was, but a lot of times she wasn't. And, like, it felt like I was, I felt, like, unattractive. I felt um, like there was a thousand miles between us Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff. And we went to therapy for it. and And we worked on it. And things got better. And then, you know, other things didn't get better. And so. You you don't have to. You don't have to answer this if you're not comfortable. Okay. But like, um, so like I, I do have like phone text trauma stuff, and I also. Is that why you get mad at me because I have my notifications on? I, no, no, <laughs> no. That's a, that's not the same. Um, but part of that is that, and part of my neurodivergence is that like I, uh, don't always respond to messages, and so I'm wondering sometimes. Do you think that like that? Hit your rejection sensitivity no, when I don't respond. Not okay. at all. The only because reason I'm asking I'm is because, like, if it, it does, then I can do something. I can, no, like, I'm okay. Katie. I'm used okay. to it, okay. and and a lot of times I'll. <laughs> and I think, I mean, the longer we know each other, mm-hmm. the more we're going to get used to how each other right. works, right? right. But I, I picked up on it real quick when I noticed the like one of the first times we hung out that you got a notification and your watch flashed. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's it because I'll send you a message on because we primarily communicate on Messenger and mm-hmm. it shows the little yeah. thing that shows you saw it. And I'm like, oh that's it. Cause it'll say I'll send a message and it'll say that you saw it like yeah. that. Yeah. But then you might not respond to it and for like two or three hours. Right. And then I'm just like, okay. And I kind of like put two and two together and be like, that's just how she is. And you're consistently like that. So it doesn't bother me. I know it's you. Now, if it's somebody that maybe I talk to all the time and them not responding in a certain amount of time is out of character for them, that might make me feel some Mm -hmm. type of way. But usually I always try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I'll tell you the one thing that makes me mad, and this isn't necessarily have anything to do with rejection sensitivity, but maybe it's a little bit of text trauma, is I communicate with my team at work Mm -hmm. on Teams, Microsoft Teams, a lot. Um, And what grinds my gears is I'm always so quick to respond to every single one of them, right? Uh, Because I'm the boss and they ask me a question. And so when they present something to me, Right. And and it's a question, hey, X happened. I need to do what do I need to do in this situation? And I ask for more information. Hey, can you send me the link to whatever you're mm-hmm. talking about? Or 
does it involve this or this? And then they don't respond for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're trying to work here, you know? Yeah. But that's really like, as far as like people not getting back to me on time, I guess not really yeah. anymore these days. It would just depend. It would really just depend on the person. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sarah, you got any text? Like, trauma? I feel bad because my dad texted me a video and I haven't even watched it. And that was yesterday. Oh. <laughs> yesterday? Yeah. Oh. I know. I'm I, just, I feel I'm... like it's too late now. <laughs> to, to oh, respond. really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm a terrible texter and messenger. I, oh, I know. It takes me forever. So and, like, quick. I just have to be upfront about it because it's... Oh, it, like, the... The thing about Sarah, too, is I'll that, I'll send like, her a message on Messenger, and she'll respond, like, two days later. And also, like, because I've watched you text, yeah. and you're, like, so thorough, mm -hmm. and, like, you take your time, it's, like, um, it feels really formal. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, oh. Here's the thing I am. Like, yeah. my part of my neurodivergence is, like, I'm, like, pedantic and, like, for overly formal, right? Perfectionist. Perfect. Like, well, not perfectionist, like overly formal because like, um, cause I like memorized an etiquette book. I'm like, mm. that's just like, those are the rules. Yeah, you, we're going to need to dive into that at some point. Text, it feels like perfectionism. Well, it, I guess, yes. Okay, yes, fair. I was, yes. yes. I was taking that too literally yeah. thinking of it in what? a different way. Right? <laughs> literally? So like, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's really going to do it for right. today. So if you have anything, um, if, if you have anything that you feel like you could add or that you want to ask us, you can always email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. Um, you can leave us a voicemail. The link is in the description of all of the episodes. We could play it on the show, um, respond to it. Uh, we really appreciate everybody that's uh, listened to us and give us good feedback since we've started. And yes. I do want to give Katie a special shout out because she... Or they have um, made some great strides in trying to kind of keep your routine in order. Like cope with uh, my uh, yeah. going off my meds. And, you know, and, and when we did the episode on coping mechanisms, you talked about a lot of things that you're like, well, I don't want to keep a calendar or whatever. And and you've kind of started doing that. Yes. You, you've got trivia in the calendar. I know. We share the neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com email address. And I get a notification for when When's we're recording. Have and, you been getting them the whole time? Oh, every yeah. time. I yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of you, Katie. You're, Thank you're, you. you know, hey, you're making, we're all great growing here. Right? I mean, yes, thank you. All right, so uh, I hope you're out there growing too, everyone. Growing and showing. <laughs> growing Sorry. and showing. All right, everyone, have a great week. We'll <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>